You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Overwhelmed, stressed, and tired. Maybe that's you this morning. See, I think those three words kind of summarize how I've been feeling in this last year, maybe the last two years. Uh, The work of parenting in this fast-paced, ever-changing, self-centered, especially uh, these last two years, like I said, has just been crazy. You can ask my wife, Kara, but over the last year, I think I've said this quite a few times, that I'm not cut out for this parenting thing. Maybe you've said that. Sometimes I say it rather jokingly. Sometimes I'm actually a little serious. But the other day, Kara was out with our oldest doing some grocery shopping and uh, running some errands. And I was at home with the others. And about 664 questions later, you've been there, you know. Can I have candy? Can I put on makeup? Can I watch TV? Can I watch YouTube? Um, Can we go get slushies? Can we go to Five Below? Like the, the questions were just everywhere and everything. And I got to the point of just saying, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Just don't hurt yourself. I'm not cut out for this parenting thing. But it's kind of too late to say that, right? I've got five children and uh, I'm already in the game. I honestly think that uh, that's probably why, you know, when we were developing this sermon series, that's probably why I got selected to teach this message. You're like, hey, you got five kids. Here you go. You're going to speak on this. Uh, So I'm up. It's not because I'm an expert on parenting. So I want you to hear that right up front. And let me clarify that for you. Because there is a reality that I have five products still on the assembly line that have not shipped yet. Okay. I've been saying that in the office this week. And they're like, got a little bit of a kick out of that. So, which is a true statement. Okay. My, My kiddos are still a work in progress. And I am still a work in progress as well. But being a church of five generations, I realize that in this room, that not everybody is in the same stage of parenting. You see, some of you this morning can relate to the season of life that I'm in. You've got young kiddos at home. You understand the joys and the pains and the frustrations and the challenges that I'm talking about. You see, I have a toddler and a teenager. We're in diapers and we're dealing with hormones. So it's crazy. It's crazy in our house. I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me, by the way. I'm not, really. Some of you are no longer in that uh, that stage of parenting. Your grandparents or your great-grandparents, and uh, it looks a little bit different for you. And you're the ones that are encouraging me in this season to say, you know what, Dave, those are the golden years. Just hang in there because the days are long and the years are short. Your words of encouragement to me are to cherish every moment. And, And trust me, that's been one of my goals this year, that I'm trying to cherish every moment. Some of you in this room have products that have come off the assembly line that didn't turn out the way that you had expected. And you're looking for some wisdom today as we dive into God's word. Some of you have not been able to have children uh, or you don't have children of your own. You're not a parent and you'll never be a parent. And I want you to hear this morning that that is okay. Because this morning, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what stage of parenting you're in, I believe 
that as followers of Jesus, we're responsible to live with intentionality and give away which, that which God has entrusted us with. You see, at its very core, parenting is discipleship. So if you don't hear anything else today, hear the reality that you are a disciple maker and there is something that God has in his word for you today to take away, that you've been entrusted with intentionality to give away to others. But I'm not cut out for this parenting thing, and it's not, you know, and that's not a problem. It's okay. Because it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And I'm grateful that in this parenting journey, that it doesn't hinge on my authority to speak on parenting, or my uh, perfect efforts to be the perfect parent, or my ability, but rather on God's authority, on God's word, and his sovereignty over all of life. And that's where we're going to go this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs. We're going to be all over the place today. I think I took the cake for the amount of verses that we're going to have in the message today. So try to track with me um, if you can. If you can't keep up, just know that it's going to be on the screen. Sometimes it's easier to scroll through on your phone. But if you have a hard copy of God's Word, we're going to be all over Proverbs this morning. So we've been in this series for a few weeks now, and uh, we've been talking about how Proverbs is wisdom literature. It makes up Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Those are all a part of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. And like we've said in previous weeks, the challenge of, challenge of teaching through Proverbs, you can't really do it exp, uh, um, expositionally. Yeah, that's what, the word I was looking for. It's not a narrative, right? Uh, it's not Paul, it's not the Gospels, it's like a batch of fortune cookies um, with clever one-liner statements that you try to take and implant that wisdom into your heart. Wisdom is knowledge applied. And the purpose of this book and the point of this series is that you would have wisdom to help you navigate the stuff of life that you're going through. So we know that Proverbs primarily is linked to King Solomon, Right? He wrote thousands of Proverbs and poems, and not every proverb in Proverbs is written by King Solomon. So just clear that up right up front. But in chapters 1 through 9, we see these speeches that are from a father to a son. And we're going to be somewhat in, in that section uh, quite a bit today, in this whole idea of parenting. But in chapters 10 through 29, that's where you find many of these one-liner statements, these uh, these wisdom nuggets on life and work and relationships and sex and marriage and, and food and drink and neighboring. Pretty much anything you can think about in life. That's pretty much in the, that's, that, that chunk of scripture right there. Proverbs 10 through 29. But these Proverbs that we read can be, be looked at um, with either a promise or a warning. When you read through Proverbs, you know there's probably one of two things are true. That there's the way of wisdom or the way of folly. And you see that contrast all, all throughout the book of Proverbs. You'll see that this morning. Uh, it says that if you walk in the way of wisdom, then this will happen. If you walk in the way of folly, then this will happen. A lot of it sounds like common sense when you think about it, right? When you're reading through Proverbs. But the way of wisdom is a life that is a life of virtue, integrity, generosity. And that life leads to success and peace. We also see that the Father is kind of giving instruction to his, his son and saying uh, the way of folly is evil and it, it's a path of bad decisions and it's a path that ultimately leads to frustration and shame and destruction. Not all Proverbs are promises. I want you to hear that this morning. They're not uh, formulas for success that if you just take it and apply it to your life that it's going to come uh, to fruition. They're not all guarantees. So if you're looking at Proverbs as an instruction manual 
uh, of how to raise your kiddos. It's, uh, it's, it's a good word not to just pick a few of them and say that this is, this is the playbook. This is what we're supposed to do. It's better to look at the whole books of, of wisdom and the whole of Scripture, uh, to look to, to our loving Father, right, and look to the church, the experience that we have and the wisdom that we have in the body of Christ to help, uh, help us understand what parenting should be. So today we're going to look at what I believe are three parenting essentials. No matter what stage of parenting you're at, uh, I believe that these are applicable in parenting and in our lives as disciple makers. So parenting essential number one, instruction. Parenting essential number one, instruction, if you're taking notes. When you think of instruction, you probably think of a teacher in, uh, imparting information to gain knowledge. But instruction really takes place in all forms of learning. We're all sitting here today, right, as learners. And no matter what stage of life you're in, you are constantly a learner. You're always learning something. And the, the moment that you stop learning is the moment that you expire from this side of eternity, right? But biblically, for parents, it is the foundation of formation when it comes to our kiddos and those that God has entrusted us to raise. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to start there, and uh, it'll also be on the screens. This is really the purpose statement of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, we're going to read um, verses 2 through 6, and then I'm going to read a ton more. So just try to follow along as we go. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Jump over to Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Jump over to Proverbs 4, 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. So you see this common theme in the first four chapters of the book of Proverbs. It's about instruction. Proverbs 2, if you flip back to Proverbs 2, we're going to read 1 through 5. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it, as a hidden treasure, then you will understand. Understand what? What is the point of instruction? Well, the end of that verse goes on, to st- goes on to state what we need to understand, what we need to instruct those whom God has entrusted. If you go back to Proverbs 1-7, I feel like this is the foundation of instruction. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. We also see this replicated in Proverbs 9.10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So this fear of the Lord statement, that's where we're going to kind of hang our, our hat on this morning, because that is the core or the foundation of all instruction. In verse 7, the fear here, uh, the fear of the Lord is not talking about being afraid, although there needs to be some level of fear of God. It's, it's more talking about awe and reverence and surrender 
And it's really about a posture of submission to God as creator and sustainer of the universe. It's recognizing that he is the ultimate authority and that we are not. So this posture of fear goes beyond transferring information and uh, it goes to helping those that God has entrusted us to understand that they need to have a relationship with their creator. It's not transferring information. It's helping those whom God has entrusted to us have a relationship with their creator. You see, I, I want my children to remember what I've said in life, but more importantly, I want, I want them to remember who I've pointed them to. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to experience his love. And sometimes I don't say all the right things. You know, I can, I can have my kids remember what I said, and it's important that they know what I say, but it's important, more important that they know what God tells them what to, how to live, and uh, they, they bank on that wisdom. You see, it would be great if I could tell my kids something one time and they would get it. Many of you understand my frustration. I've got, like I said, a toddler and a teenager and everyone in between. And, um, you know, right now with our little guy, he just turned two yesterday. I feel like the things I'm telling Nolan is don't jump off the fireplace. Stop jumping on the couch. No, you cannot throw your train at the TV. These are all things that he does. And sometimes when you tell him that, it's almost like ammo for dare me. I'll do it again. I've got my seven-year-old and my nine-year-old. The same questions keep popping up. It's almost like I'm talking to a brick wall. How many times do I have to tell you to pick up your book bag, to put away your Chromebook, you know, to put your shoes away? Like the same things. I feel like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a brick wall. But this repetition really is a necessary part of instruction. As frustrating as it is for us, it is necessary to form and shape the hearts of those that God has entrusted to us. Because the reality is we're exactly the same way. We have the same problem as our children. How many times do we say, why am I still struggling with this thought? Why am I still struggling with this behavior? Why, why am I still doing the same things that I don't want to do? Well, it's because our problem is the same as our children. We all have rebellious hearts. A heart that needs correction and discipline. It's easier for us to, to correct and discipline our children, but we don't like that correction and discipline ourselves. You see, Proverbs has a lot to say about discipline and instruction and correction. Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Not just the ear, but I think it's the person, right, who is listening to the reproof. When you think of reproof, think of words of correction. Proverbs 13.24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Or her. Proverbs 22.15, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You see, in, in 22.15, the word folly is talking about foolishness. That there's this reality that each one of us have a sinful nature. Like I said, the, the sinfulness and pride and selfishness is all rooted in our hearts. And our children possess that same thing that we possess as well. So there's formative instruction where you positively teach with words to correct and set them on the right path. But then there's time for the corrective rod of discipline, uh, specifically for right, sinful activity or sinful behaviors 
uh, or bad attitudes or, or lying or, or cheating or stealing, things that God's word lays out for us um, where the rod of discipline is necessary. You see, it's not for accidents, spilling milk, um, breaking something by accident. Um, and that's hard for me to hear as a parent because sometimes out of my fear and anger and frustration and the moment, it's the easiest thing to do to correct or discipline because I'm frustrated, because I'm mad, because I'm angry, because, you know, you made me look bad out in the store, so you're going to get it when we get home. But God's Word says that's not the time to use the corrective rod of discipline. Um, I have a two-year-old. He cries when he's hungry. He's cry- he cries when he's tired. Those are natural things. Um, discipline for that is, is also not necessary. Hear me this morning. I'm not trying to argue spanking over not spanking or time out. Uh, what I want you to know is that I have many spankings in my day, okay? Um, but we're a part of a different generation. And uh, I'm not saying that it's, it, it's wore out. But there is a reality that you as a parent understand your child. You understand what, what makes them tick, what motivates them, what helps shape them and correct them. As parents, it's easier, like I said, to correct wrong behaviors out of frustration, and it's harder to correct out of love and consistently turn them back to Jesus, to give them grace, to help build uh, truth and love and shape that in their hearts. I love what the author Ted Tripp says in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. It says, parents tend to focus on external behaviors rather than internal overflow of the heart. We tend to worry more about what, the what of the behavior, than the why. We spend enormous amounts of energy in controlling and constraining behaviors. When our focus is on behavior, we miss the heart. Our internal issues of self-love, rebellion, anger, bitterness, envy, pride show us how much we need grace. The problem with our children is, is more than inappropriate behavior. The problem is the overflow of the heart. You see, thinking back to what Pastor Brandon said a few weeks ago, that Proverbs 4.23 was really the theme of this book, that out of everything in life, right, the heart is the wellspring of life. Everything that comes out of us comes from the heart, our words, our actions. So this is an opportunity for, for things in our lives to, to happen, to realize and expose where our hearts are at. Ted, Tri- T- Ted Tripp's brother, Paul, also wrote a book on parenting, says, uh, you're a, parenting, you're a parenting a worshiper, so it's important to remember that what rules your child's heart will control his behavior. That means that everything your children watch, listen to, spend their time doing in your home matters. It is shaping their hearts. He also goes on to say parenting is not easy, especially if you really take this responsibility seriously. Parenting is the work of shaping worldviews, challenging false ideologies, redirecting focus, rebuking sin, encouraging them and leading them to Jesus for help and strength. You see, I feel like that's a a really good word and a great reminder, but it's hard to put into practice. And if if you're out of the age, too, of where your kiddos are are getting that formative or that corrective discipline, it's also even more challenging because you take on a different role in their life. Proverbs 29, 17 says, Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will delight you. He will give delight to your heart. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. If you're keeping up, there's a lot of Proverbs in here. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves 
as, and as a father, the son in whom he delights. You see, like I said, corrective discipline is really the process of shaping the heart. It's consistently saying to those whom God has entrusted to you, I want you to see who God is, I want you to know him, I want you to love him, and I want you to follow his path. Parenting goes beyond instruction, and it leads us to our next um, parenting essential here, influence. Parent essential number two, influence. Ken Blanchard says, the key to successful leadership is influence, not authority. See, I love that quote because I, I, it resonates with me because, um, right, just because you have the authority to, to, to give oversight or instruction doesn't necessarily mean it's going to sit well, right? Influence is, is, is going to be more valuable in that relationship. And I, I believe that you can take the word parenting there and also add it to that statement. The key to successful parenting is influence, not authority, Many of you have probably heard it growing up. Do what I say because I said so, right? I've even been guilty of saying that. I'm the parent. I have the ability, I have the authority to tell you what to do and without having to tell you a reason why I tell you that. But I'm telling you, do what I say because I said so. Um, there's a component of that that we're not understanding here that we have a responsibility to model the way, right? There, don't expect our kiddos or those whom God has entrusted with us to, to walk in wisdom if, if all of our parenting is do what I say, not what I do, right? And it's pretty simple. But the, what are we really influencing them to, right? That's a question that we all come back to that we read in Proverbs 1-7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that we are to walk in wisdom. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with wise will become wise. Proverbs 9, 9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will become wiser. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 14, 26 says, the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have refuge. You see, in this, our kids have a safe place if we're leading them to the way of wisdom and walking in the truths of, of, of God. I also love what the Apostle Paul says about influence. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. There's this reality here. Don't look at me if you're looking for perfection. But follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we model to our children. This is the influence that we give away to our kiddos that, that goes beyond information, that goes beyond instruction, that, that goes into a relationship. True influence, I believe, is more caught than taught. You've probably heard that before. But think about that. In your own life, in your own parenting, in your own homes, have your kids experienced you spending time reading God's Word? Have they experienced you? Have they caught you praying or talking about the things of God or, or doing something out of love to serve neighbors or coworkers or friends? What do they see in your home are, are the priorities? What do they see you spending money on? How do they see you using your words? What do they observe in the way that you love your spouse? Do they see repentance and forgiveness play out right in front of them? You see, we have an opportunity to influence right in our homes. 
And sometimes it's the simple things that we do. It's not necessarily pointing them to Jesus. It's just modeling the way of wisdom in our own life so that they see that replicated and they live that out themselves. Think about the person that you are. Most of that in part really is is who you've become as a person has been modeled for you. Whether that be a parent or grandparent or a coach or leader or teacher, somebody in your life or youth pastor, somebody has influenced you in the way that goes beyond transferring information to having a real loving relationship with you. You see, true discipleship takes instruction and influence. And like I said, parenting is discipleship. So in my undergrad, um, I took a class uh, at Liberty University um, by, by a professor named Dr. Vukic. I don't know if he's still there, uh, but it was a discipleship class. And he, he adopted this, uh, this definition for discipleship that I absolutely love. And doing a little bit more research on it this week, I, I figured out that he actually borrowed that or used it from an author and pastor. His name is Alan Hadidian, who wrote a book on discipleship, and it goes like this. Discipleship is the process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating commits himself for an extended period of time to a few individuals who have been won to Christ, with the purpose being to aid and guide their growth to maturity and to equip them to reproduce themselves in a third generation. Did you catch that? It talks about living a life worth emulating. It talks about giving away that which God has entrusted you. It's about an extended period of time. Discipleship is not this, you know, six-week study through God's Word or through a book study. It is is life on life and life centered around the teachings of Scripture and around God's Word. But there's this reality of how discipleship plays out in your home. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes commitment. That you live a life worth emulating. That you... You raise up, it says a few individuals. What about five, right? I have five in my house. My goal is to point them to Christ, to aid and guide their growth to maturity, and to equip them to reproduce themselves. I think it's a really good definition for discipleship because it encompasses everything. It encompasses all of life. Remember that. I mean, think about that for a second. Think about the last five sermons that you've heard in here. You've probably heard this said before. All right, we, we probably are going to forget by 2 o'clock this afternoon the three main points and the seven takeaways that I'm going to give you today. And that's okay. But here's the reality. Think of the five sermons in your life that have shaped you the most. Chances are, you know, that information resonated with your heart at one point in time, but you can't remember every detail. But think about the five people that have influenced your life. I bet it doesn't take you 30 seconds to name the five people that have influenced you. Like I said, whether a parent, a grandparent, a coach, a teacher. Because life is about relationships. And parenting and discipleship is about relationships. And it's about influence. Parents realize this morning, or even students and and children, wherever you're at, I, I believe this is applicable for all of us that you have the potential to be the greatest influence in somebody else's life that God has entrusted you with. You have the potential to be the greatest influence of pointing them to the one who is the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who loves them and wants them to, to have a relationship with him. 
Parenting is about instruction. Parenting is about influence. And the last thing I want us to see this morning is the parenting essential number three is about independence. Independence. I think a lot of times we think the biggest roadblock to independence is about our kids doing what we say, and I've already kind of alluded to this, after I don't say it anymore, right? That's a good sign that they are becoming independent, that they don't have to pick up their book bags or Chromebooks or know when to do the dishes or take out the trash, that they do that and they take the initiative on their own. But it's really about becoming something that I'm no longer around them to help shape or speak into, right? This is about formation and not about information, it's not necessarily about following instructions anymore. And many of you in this room are at the point where your kiddos are independent on your own. And you're sitting here and you have more wisdom and perspective and experience than I have. And I want to learn and glean from you. However, I believe that there's been a shift in generations past, from generations past where you think about 20, 30, 50 years ago, the, the primary aim was for, for children to be raised to have virtue and responsibility and to become independent at a younger age, that they would mature, get married, leave home, take a seat at the, the table in the community, at the marketplace, and be contributing members of society. You would probably say that's still part of the aim, right? We as parents want that for our kiddos. We want them to become independent. Although I believe it has shifted a little bit, and here's what's happening. Parents are saying that it's my job to make my kid happy. It's my job to keep them safe, when the reality is those two things are not necessarily true. Parents think it's their job to aim for happiness, um, which, again, is a never-ending rat race. It really seems stupid to say that because we, we want our kids to be happy, but that is not the primary goal. I love what Christ, Kristen Welsh says in her, in her book, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. She says, kids' temporary unhappiness, learning to submit to authority and obedience is worth it if it produces future adults who love God and others. You see what we see in Proverbs, that if you aim for character and virtue, you may get happiness. But if you aim for happiness, chances are you're not going to get character and virtue. So we bought into this lie, some of us, Right, that not only in culture but in the church, that our kids are ours to fulfill us and to satisfy our deepest longing of identity and purpose and significance. Whether it's intellectually, whether it's athletically, whether it's the ability to go far and be successful and do great things, that God has given them to us so we can be defined and be successful through them. And ultimately, we've become they've become dependent on us far later in life rather than becoming independent. And, and we are feeding this, this perpetual cycle of, of them craving um, you know, our, our attention to happiness and safety. But the good news is that God blesses us with children, and they're not ours. He loves them far more than we do, and he desires that we would steward and pass them on uh, just like anybody else that he's entrusted to us, that we would give to them that which God has given to us. I believe independence is our prayer as parents and as disciple makers. We desire to help them walk in wisdom and know the things of God. And I think it, it's very similar to a discipleship process that looks like this, that I do and you watch. We do together. 
You do, I watch. And then I can step back and you do on your own and trust that you're going to take that and give it away to others. You see, this independence takes time and commitment, patience and trust. But God's called us to be faithful, to do our part, to explain truth, to model the way, to point them to Jesus. But each kid in our life, each, each person that God has entrusted us to pour into and disciple has to come to grips with the reality of faith themselves. It's God that leads their heart to repentance. It God that, it's God that leads their heart to respond by faith and obedience. But we are continuing to be faithful to point them to that. You see, in my studies this week, um, I come across this common proverb I think that many of us heard in many different ways, and probably you could quote it, right? Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, what does it say? He will not depart from it. You probably have heard that many times growing up, and if you've not heard it, um, I want to look at that briefly this morning. You see, we've looked at that verse, and you say to yourself, you know what, if I take him to church... If I get him involved, if I get him involved in Awana or, or all these other things, programs, youth group, if I get him connected to the right friends, you know, if I crack the whip at home and I help discipline him when I'm supposed to, then all will be well. But many of you know firsthand the pains of having children that you have led through the path of wisdom and trained them in righteousness that have still departed and gone their own way. And you're sitting here and saying, what gives? Like, this word seems like it's a promise, right? They'll never depart. I trained them up in the way they should go. God, like, what happened? I think what's interesting here is when you look at the original language, that word should, train them up in the way he should go, the word should is not even in the text. Uh, A better way to read that, a more accurate way to read that is, according to his way. So train them up according to their way. And like I said, Proverbs is not a a series of of promises or guarantees. But if you read it, this verse, that way, it, it, it doesn't really read as a promise. It almost reads as a warning. That if you train them up according to their way, you're going to get out what you're putting in. This could be seen in so many different ways. If you train them up in the way of happiness, in the way of success, the way of sports, the way of selfish ambition, don't expect to get something different in return. And that rebuke is not for us as a church today. That's for my heart too. It's a constant reminder that what I'm leading them to is ultimately going to shape their hearts. You see, I love what it says in Proverbs 4, 11, and 12. This is the father giving instruction to his, his son But here he uses the sense of something that he's already done. This is past tense. He says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of uprightness. And when you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. You see, I think for us in this room, that's our prayer to those that God has entrusted to us. Those of you who have raised kiddos and they have left home, That's also your prayer, that I have done my part. I've taught you the ways of wisdom. I've led you in the path of righteousness. And there's this this posture of surrender and release, that you can trust that the God of the universe knew that you did what was best with the information that you had. 
And it's ultimately up to him to, to allow them to, to respond and walk in the way of wisdom. I love what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. 2. It's almost like a father to a son passing on a legacy. He says, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's really this idea of, of multiplication, reproducing that which you are, right, with intentionality and giving away the good deposit that God has given you and allowing others to take that. Because parenting is about these three essentials, I believe, instruction, influence, and independence. None of these can be done without intentionality. You see, it's not enough that we know a thing. Um, It's important that we know wisdom to navigate through this life. But if we just learn great principles and leave these doors and go back to our way of life, then I feel like we're missing it. See, we have to take the knowledge and apply it to our life. Wisdom is knowledge applied. We have to do something and apply it. We have to walk in the way of wisdom and model that. So this morning, as I wrap up, I'm going to give you seven tips for intentionality. No matter what stage of parenting or discipleship you're at, these, I believe, are applicable for all of us. Number one, prayer. Number one, prayer. See, many of us, I think, overlook this or neglect this step. It is probably the most important thing that we can do as a disciple maker and as a parent to pray for and pray with those whom God has entrusted with us. And for us, what that looks like right now in the stage of life that we're in, um, every night before bed, there's a time where we huddle as a family and we pray together. I pray specifically for my kiddos. Um, there's been times and seasons in our life where we've been good about doing family devotions and all that. But one thing we do before we end our day, we pray together as a family, and I pray for and pray over them. Because prayer aligns our heart with God. Number two, make time. Make time. You see, we all find time for the things that we really love. And I'm talking about quality time and quality, quantity time and quality time. It's about shaping our priorities to the things that um, are important to us. It's about including um, this this intentionality in the everyday stuff of life, in the practical rhythms as you're going, as you're in the car. Parenting opportunities always pop up seemingly when it's most inconvenient, but that's exactly when God wants us to, to live with intentionality. Number three, be honest. Be honest with those whom God has entrusted to you. Be honest with yourself. I think there's a, a component of that that is, is really about humility and honesty. Recognizing that you make mistakes, that you're not perfect. And sometimes owning those things are some of the best things that you can do to help shape your child. Honesty and humility. Number four, be flexible. I believe we need to be flexible to, to learn and grow and to adapt. This ever-changing world um, we have a never-changing God in an ever-changing world, but what we, what we know, that parenting is so hard. Like, each one of my kids did not come with an instruction manual. And what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the others. Some need, some need a hug. Some need a, a harsh rebuke word. Um, some of them need time together. Like, you have to know and learn and evolve and adapt uh, with your kiddos in that. Be flexible. Number five, release control. There's this idea of trusting God's leading. You know, uh, I've thought about a couple things here. Uh, we need to stop doing for our kids what they should be doing for themselves, right? But not just this, 
you know, relinquishing control of, hey, you're on your own now, but leading them to the point of you've helped shape that within them. You don't have to resolve your kids' problems for them, right? Allow them to step into some hard things and walk with them through those, through those things. Number six, grow in community. Recognize and admit that you can't do this by yourself. And uh, many of you out here would affirm that, right? You, you can't do this alone. You need other people around you. We're saved into a body of Christ, into a community called the church. And, uh, right, it takes a village to raise kiddos, and, and we recognize that. But we also need each other pouring into our lives as we pour into their lives. Grow in community. And the last one is a practical next step from this series. It's sign up for the Parenting Summit here at NCC. You see the slide with the information behind me. Um, I believe that this is a practical next step that we as a church can rally around. Um, but it's not just information on how to be a better parent, because you don't need more information on how to. What I want you to see and what I want you to, 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 to get involved in with this um, is, is this reality around collaboration with others, that you have a phase of life that you've gone through that can help shape other people. So these, these parenting workshops are going to be coming up here uh, at the end of the month, and we're excited to, to launch them, and we want you to be a part of them with us. So this morning, I hope it was encouraging to your heart a little bit, um, kind of rapid fire through Proverbs, uh, hearing God's wisdom and instruction. Um, if anything, it reminds my heart that I, I have no ability of my own to, to raise up my kiddos, that I have to surrender and submit to God's leadership and leading of my life. And uh, it never fails. The things that I'm preaching on are, are ultimately things that, that God is teaching me and shaping within me. And uh, within the last couple weeks, it's like these, these indicators of like, God, why, why are you showing me this? Well, I want you to see this because I'm leading you and teaching you in the midst of, uh, of this as well. See, the work of parenting is tough. The labor is long and the discouragement is constant. But the joys of parenting outweigh it all. In here, there are no perfect parents. And like I said in the beginning, we commit to progress over perfection. So despite where you're at, despite whatever failures that you've had in your life with kiddos or your own phases of life, I want you to remember this. Like, no matter what God has entrusted you with, find rest in the perfect one. We have one perfect father. We can find rest and comfort in the fact that he is leading us. and We can submit to his leadership. Let me pray and close our time together this morning. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to open your word. Father, for us as parents in here, as, as grandparents, as great-grandparents, Father, help us to understand and see this reality that you have entrusted us to give away something. The greatest thing in the world, the hope of the gospel, the good news, that ultimately you are helping us shape our kiddos as we as we look to you for, for leadership, for wisdom. Father, for students and children in this room, that you would help us uh, to understand, too, that we have a part to play in, in being shaped and formed by the gospel. Help us to know that we're all disciple makers, that we, we give away that which you have given to us. At the very core of parenting is discipleship. And Father, help us to be about your good news in everything that we say and we do. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Just be honored and glorified in our worship as we continue. And we pray these things in your strong name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.